Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very spooky episode. It's a bonus episode of Massive Late Fee for all you Massive Late Fiends out there. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody. It's Halloween 1996. It is. And we watched a fitting movie. For the season, we watched John Carpenter's Halloween. Yeah, it was actually my first time. Yeah, it was Carol's first time. <laughs> I gave, I popped her cherry on Halloween. Ew. Or I, I guess, would it be more acceptable to say I popped your pumpkin? Ew. On Halloween. <laughs> Rose. So we we decided to watch Halloween. You might be asking yourself, Mark, why didn't you watch one of the cool new uh, Halloween themed horror movies around that that just came out that are new? And my response to that is there are none. The horror genre is dead. It does seem that way sometimes, doesn't it? We watched a movie from 1978 because here in 1996. Nothing. Their horror is done. Yeah. The, the last horror movie I think we did, Carol, was Halloween 6. <laughs> the Curse of Michael Myers or whatever, which was absolutely terrible. Clueless's brother was in it. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Alicia Silverstone's brother. Paul Rudd. Yeah. Yeah, it was the... He was in uh, that Leonardo DiCaprio film that we saw, just saw. Romeo plus Juliet. And last year we did all of our favorite scary movies. Yeah, I talked about I talked about the Friday the Thirteenth uh, movies, which I love, mm-hmm. even though they are trash. But I mean, most of the movies we talked about were like from the eighties too, because yeah, the nineties is not so great with the horror. No, and it's because it, it, everything's too happy. We don't have some any kind of dark tragedy. Uh, the horror genre thrives around times where people have a lot of anxiety or a lot of dread. Bad things are happening. The 70s, the Vietnam War. Okay. And everyone up in arms about that. In the the 40s and the 50s, the, the threat of nuclear war and stuff like that. Horror movies are a like an outlet for the worries of the time. That makes sense. And things are going too well right now <laughs> for horror movies to be any good. So Knock on wood. You know, maybe we'll get some good horror movies at some point, but for now, they are at a dead patch. If any of y'all know about a good horror movie and we haven't talked about it, let us know. Yeah. But we're going back to 1978. Uh, this, this hooks in with the Friday the 13th franchise. Halloween. It does. Because Sean Cunningham, who made the first Halloween movie, or the I'm sorry, the first Friday the 13th movie, basically said they saw how successful Halloween was and they decided to copy it as much <laughs> as they could. Wow. So those movies started out as kind of a, a copy of this. This is the original slasher movie. Well, this is scarier than the... Um um friday the 13th yeah this is well there are so many creepy things about this movie i think this movie this movie take obviously 
a lot of people might look at this movie now, Halloween, and say, oh, I see this cliche, I see that cliche. The the killer gets knocked out and then he sits up, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But people don't realize this is where all that started. Right. It wasn't a cliche in 1978 because they were, like, inventing this stuff. I can imagine the theater when Michael Myers sits up being like, oh! First, <laughs> now because they weren't expecting that to happen. Right. And... It's, you know, it's kind of sucks that you you lose a little bit of that because this influenced so many other things. I have issues with the fact that he sits up. I have issues with the fact that he seems like he's fucking undestruct- indestructible. Yeah, it is. It's weird because later, as we see in like the curse of Michael Myers and all this shit, he becomes more supernatural-esque. But at the beginning, it didn't seem like he started out that way. But yet, this is a dude that gets shot like five times in the chest, falls out of a window, and he's just, he's cool. Right. It makes no sense. Like, unless he's wearing a bulletproof vest, then uh, no. And as we find out in the <clears throat> second one, he goes to the hospital where where Jamie Lee Curtis is and tries to kill her because she's his secret sister. I don't think that I saw that one. No, probably not. It's not a well-remembered one. What happened is... Spoiler alert, though. Fun. (laughs) Yeah, from the movie from 1980 or whatever. But if I have not seen it, then you just spoiled it. Well... Just saying. It's dumb anyway, because it's a dumb... See, what happened was, this movie was super popular in 1978. I think they made it for something in the neighborhood of like $50,000, and it ended up making like $55 million the box office. Wow. Which was a huge amount of money in, in 1978. And it's a huge I, amount of money now, isn't it? For a movie? Um, I mean, yeah, it's okay. Like, usually movies, they're like $100 million, $200 million or something like that. Like, super successful films. Like, that's what they make. But, um, but the, like, for especially against its budget, it was huge. Okay. And immediately they were like, hey, make another one. And John Carpenter was like, he said, I saw an interview with him where he said that he he was drunk mostly <laughs> writing the second movie. And he had no idea where to go with it because this really is a perfect just one movie. This should have been just one movie. Right. And, cause, and you can see what happened with the Paul Rudd movie. Where it goes from here. I don't think any of the sequels... Number two's okay. Number three, I have a, is a special place in my heart for that, and that Michael Myers does not appear at all in that. That's something completely different. It's about haunted masks and and Stonehenge and what? a guy that hates children. What the fuck? Yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with Michael Myers. Originally, what John Carpenter was going to do, he was like, we should just make this an anthology series. Where it's like it takes place on Halloween night or it has something to do with Halloween, but they're all different stories instead of keeping coming back to Michael Myers because this is dumb. But instead, when the third one came out, everyone was like, we don't like this. We want Michael Myers back. <laughs> so then they made Halloween 4 where Michael Myers comes back. Even though he, got, he gets exploded with Donald Pleasance in the second movie, and then when he comes back in the fourth movie, both Michael Myers are is alive and so is Donald Pleasance. He has a little scar right here on his cheek. 
<laughs> from being in an explosion at a hospital with Michael Myers. Wow. So he's as destructible as Michael Myers. Indestructible right. as Michael Myers is. So it's just it's just a universe where people don't die so easy unless uh, they're killed by a you know serial killer. Apparently. But or oh, and then they can be pinned to the wall with the world's strongest kitchen knife. <laughs> right? That was hilarious. But this movie takes a, a lot of inspiration from Psycho. Mm-hmm. And like Dr. Loomis, Loomis, Sam Loomis is the name of a character in Psycho. Oh, wow. So there's, and I mean, I don't know if they planned this out or not, but Janet Lee is in Psycho and Jamie Lee Curtis, her daughter, is oh, in this movie. Interesting. First acting role for Jamie Lee Curtis. 19-year-old slash 40-year-old Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> right, she looks so old. She I don't does. understand it. It's like she and that girl from 90210. They oh, like Andrea? they Yeah. No, not Andrea. The the, the little 40 girl? year old girl. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like they must be related. I don't know. But you've seen the movie, I'm sure. Essentially Oh, and I was gonna say about about Lori being his secret sister or whatever. He he pulled that. He just he said he just pulled that out of his ass because mm. he was like, "There's nothing to go on here. There's like, like what am I going to write? There's nothing here." Yeah. He wrote the movie as like, "This is the ending." I know you said you didn't love the ending, but I think the ending is not supposed to be necessarily literal. Okay. He shoots him, and then he goes and looks, and he's gone because Michael Myers is more than a man. It's like. The embodiment of evil, of fear, of paranoia. That's like, those are all the emotions and all the feelings that he's supposed to encapsulate. Like, part of him is a person, but part of him is also just all these concepts. So it's like, Loomis shoots him, he goes and looks, he's gone. And then the camera, before we go to the end, the camera just pans to like, other like places he's attacked in the past and things like that. Right. Is he here? Is he here? And the thing, the the beauty of that ending is like, he could be anywhere. We have no idea. Mm-hmm. He's still out there. He could just be anywhere. Because the boogeyman, they keep calling him the boogeyman like he's some kind of spirit. Mm-hmm. He, you know, the boogeyman could be anywhere and you can't kill the boogeyman, Lori. But he's not some kind of spirit. He is Michael Myers, who was a flesh and blood little boy uh-huh. who killed his sister and has gone to a psychiatric hospital right. for the last 15 years and, learned and to escaped. Drive. <laughs> learned to drive somehow. Yeah. So I don't, I don't like the fact that they're making him supernatural. He's not. But the thing is, is I don't think that ending is supposed to be taken literally. I think it's supposed to be taken metaphorically. Like, maybe the real explanation is, like you said, he was wearing a bulletproof vest. Or maybe the real explanation is he's four yards outside of the view of the camera, like, bleeding profusely, (laughs) and he just, like, rolled and, like, whatever, right? He's, he, the physical, when Loomis shoots him, that stops him. That's why we don't see him in any of the places, right, that the camera shows us. Right. Because he... In his, his physical form. This is what I believe the intention is. Before all the sequels and everything. He, in his physical form of Michael Myers, is dead. When Loomis shoots him, he kills him. That's it. It's over. The reason we don't see him is because the evil, whether it could be in 
whatever person or thing or event is out there somewhere, and it could be anywhere. The idea of the boogeyman could appear anywhere. He physically is dead, but in order to convey that message, they show him not there, and then they show all the places he could be but is not. Okay. That's the way I take it as artful and metaphorical to me. And I think they should have just ended it there, and it would have been perfect, because people could have speculated. People like you could have been mad and been like, fuck, you know, where is he? That's dumb. How could he have survived that? And other people could have been like, well, like I said, maybe he's four yards off camera bleeding to death. Right. Because that's likely what would have happened. But, and and I, that's why I think the ending is, is perfect, because it's like, they're safe because they're not getting attacked anymore. But, so he's stopped. But the idea of him is, he could be anywhere. Yeah. He's always going to be out there. And maybe he is supernatural. Maybe he became supernatural at some point. Who knows? I have no idea. Loomis keeps saying, like, uh, you know, he's pure evil. I've looked into the boy's eyes. And, right. You know. And, uh, by the way, Donald Pleasant's just absolutely fantastic in this movie. He takes a role that could easily be hammy and terrible and just over the top. And he really, he's such a good actor. And he really just sells it. Yeah, he still irritates me, even though it's, he's a good actor and he plays it well. It's just the writing, the story. This whole thing just kind of irritates me. I mean, it's very creepy. Mm. It's a good, scary movie in that way, but I mean, like when I actually like think about it, it's upsetting. What do they call that? Like a fridge movie? What now? Where you watch the movie and you're like, oh, it's good and everything, and then later you're you're at your fridge looking for something. And you're <laughs> like, hey, wait a minute. Right. How did this happen? See, like, the true villain in the movie was uh, that one girl's boyfriend who suggested that he takes off his clothes, his girlfriend takes off her clothes, and that then they take off whatever that little girl's name's clothes were. The 10-year-old? Yeah. Yeah, that's creepy as fuck. Like, what the fuck? And she just laughs, like, oh, you're so bad. No, no, that's that's pure evil. That was Bob. (laughs) Bob, though, gets stuck to the wall with a kitchen knife, yeah, so Bob, it all works out. Bob gets killed, and then Michael shows up with a sheet over himself in Bob's glasses. I think it would have been funny if they had sex. She'd be like, oh, that's kinky. Leave it on. Right. That would have been <laughs> hilarious. You're right. Not really that kind of movie. No. There's some, there's nud- there's some nudity, obviously, yeah. but like that's... Like, Friday the 13th is way more that. Not that Jason would ever have sex with somebody, but but that's more that's more boobs. Right. That's more sleaze in that way. This is a little more artfully done. What I, one of the things I love is John Carpenter has a real eye for, like, shot composition. Mm-hmm. Like that's, it's, it's gorgeous. The way he... So, like, he'll... The way, like, he lines up a shot where, for instance, when Michael sits up after Laurie's, like, stabbed him in the eye with a coat hanger and and all that stuff, Laurie's in the foreground, like, you know, rule of thirds. She's she's in, like, the lower left third of the frame, leaning against the door, and then out of focus behind her in the upper third is Michael Myers laying on the ground, and then he just sits up 
behind her, and it's just it's a be- it's a beautiful shotgun mm-hmm. position. It and is. He really knows Carpenter. Really knows how to like draw your eye to where he wants you to be looking yeah. and and things like that. And there's a lot of that artistry, even though it's an earlier film. It's not his first movie. I think it's his third movie. But even though it's an earlier film of his, it still it shows a lot of the the talent that he has as a filmmaker. I liked the beginning shot when you're seeing everything from the point of view of Michael as a boy. Yeah, where he looks up at his own hand when he's stabbing for some reason. No, but yeah, I think that's so they can put some blood on her or whatever. Uh. But uh, that's that's a really good shot, too, because that's one of those. They used, it's a Steadicam, but it's not, I think Steadicam was Kodak. And it's Panasonic's version of the Steadicam. I can't, okay. I can't remember what it was called. But it was, I think, something with Pan or something like that because Panasonic. But it's the uh, it's that steady cam shot where it's like that flowing kind of almost ethereal, uh, ethereal um, mm-hmm. like shot of of going through the house, and it's it's all it's all basically one continuous shot. There's some hidden cuts; you can see some hidden edits in there, but it's all basically one shot. I think what they did is they filmed it like three times, and they stitched a couple different things together. But they had, I know they had to, it was well choreographed. They had to, as he's going up the stairs, someone's down there moving lights around and stuff. So they, right. can, so they can set up the shot for when he comes down and, and they're all coordinating all the shots and everything. But yeah, it's a great kind of, you know, one unbroken shot where he goes and kills his sister and then walks back down the stairs in the clown costume. And right out the front door. Where his parents are coming home from their date. Yeah, they're like, Michael, what's up? What the fuck? Can you imagine? That's just, like, so freaky. Yeah, absolutely. But there's so much There's so much to love, I think, about this movie. What did you... This was your first time watching it. What did you think of it? Like I said, I, I enjoyed it. It's a good, scary movie. It's just... When you stop to think about it, I, there's some things I don't like. Um... <clears throat> But yeah, I mean, I would say it's on par with like Nightmare on Elm Street, which is one of my favorites. So, yeah, I think there's, I think it's, I think it's creepier than Nightmare on Elm Street to well, me. Yeah, because Nightmare on Elm Street's funnier. Yeah, and Nightmare on Elm Street's really high concept. It's very Nightmare on Elm Street's almost like fantasy and horror mixed together. Okay, because there's there's so much creativity. Behind it. There's a dude that revolutionized the Wes Craven. There's a guy that revolutionized horror. Not right. once, but twice. Because he did Last House on the Left. I hate that movie. And then he did... And that, like, revolutionized horror in the like early 70s. And then he did... And ushered in, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and all that stuff. And then he did Nightmare on Elm Street in the 80s. Which it's like we were talking about. That's 1984. So... This movie, Halloween, started the slasher genre of, like, just some dude with a knife coming to kill you, culminated most successfully by Nightmare on Elm Street. But if you look at the 80s, there's a glut, especially the early 80s, there's a glut of just awful slasher movies. And then Wes Craven comes along in 1984 and revolutionizes it because, yeah, it's a slasher film, but it's highly inventive and... 
it's funny, like you said, and, and the the slasher Freddy Krueger actually has a personality and, right. and and everything like that. And so, yeah, he revolutionized it twice, the horror genre. We could use him again. It's so funny to me. I didn't realize that Wes Craven did Last House on the Left, mm-hmm. that the same person made like probably my least favorite and my most favorite horror movies. What don't you like about The Last House on the Left? Um what is there to like it's just constant graphic gory yeah um you know violence and and stuff yeah i get it i mean well and rape it's just over and over and over that's what the movie is it's practically a snuff film i hate it well a snuff film is just like a real depiction of a murder yeah okay fine but you get what I'm saying. It's just it's it's it, well it's it's hyper realistic, not hyper realistic. It's very realistic. It's very realistic, very naturalistic. So that's coming. Like I said, it revolutionized because it's coming from the the 50s and the 60s horror movies, a tradition of either super high concept sci fi horror where it's like this ant got irradiated and now it's huge and terrorizing the town, or just really gothic style. Like the gothic, um, like uh, Dracula movies, and, and the the you know the the Universal monster pictures and stuff like that. So very gothic, very old world, and none of it's very realistic. Last House on the Left, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which you know kind of inspired, like I said, to revolutionize things, was just like we're in the modern day, and guess what? This is something that could happen to you, and it's terrible yeah. kind of thing. And yeah. a very brutal. It's a brutal. It's a brutal movie, but I don't think it's it's. I don't think it's mean spirited. It doesn't seem mean spirited to me. I think it's making a point, and it's brutal and visceral. Last House on the Left, but I don't think it's mean. I don't think it's like just trying to be mean. I, I never said it was trying to be mean. I've never. I, I don't even know what you mean by that. Like I'm not saying you're saying that. I'm just saying I don't uh, think. I don't think it is. Um. But yeah, it's it's a tough watch. Yeah. But back to Halloween, and yes. not this is not the the West Craven hour. Sorry, guys. This is the Halloween time. Yes, because we watched Halloween. But I, I, this is one of my favorites, and I don't, I don't even know if I could call it a slasher movie. It kind of is, but it's like it invented it, and it's it's more, it's much more artistic than the rest of them. Like it's in a class apart from a Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah, or or Friday the Thirteenth for sure, and it's in a class apart from. I don't know, sleepaway camp or or uh, the I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. A- any one of the the one and done horrible slasher movies of the early 80s. Right. I think this is, separates itself because it's it's very well done. Yeah. From a very accomplished director. Yeah, I liked it. Overall, I did. But yeah, so that's uh, that's our little Halloween episode. We thought we'd give you a little bonus Halloween episode because it is the spookiest time of year. So happy Halloween. And happy Halloween from me. And, and Carol, why don't you uh, tell the people what they could do this Halloween? What, what treats could they give us? 
It's um, Halloween season, so we don't play a trick on you. <laughs> well, you could, you know, definitely uh, share the tapes with your friends. That That's always helpful. Absolutely. Um, write us at latefee1994 at AOL.com. Mm-hmm. And check out our website at www.retrolatefee.com. All right, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.